As I was looking at uh, what was transpiring this week, uh, there is, as it struck me, there was no easier opening or introduction to this week's text um, as we briefly introduce Revelation 16 this week. There was no easier introduction than what I think Sandy provided. I don't know if you took time this week or you were able, as you've been walking with us for a while now through the book of Revelation, if you had an ability or it came across your mind to unite Sandy to the book of Revelation. Now again, you know by now, I hope I have set a clear record as we are celebrating November 11th will be our year in the book of Revelation. And hopefully in that year's time, I have not been too sensationalizing, chasing the news headlines, but I have denounced that type of behavior. I don't work for CBN. So I would encourage you that we don't want to race around and assign certain activities of mankind that then equal something like Sandy that then comes, whether it be waves, storms, electricity outages. We just don't play those games. Yet at the same time, I would encourage you biblically to be able to take a moment and recognize that there are no random events in the earth. So then what does that mean where we ought to pair what we recognized in Sandy, that is, I trust you're not living in a cave, there was a big storm this week and they called it Sandy. That is where we are biblically wise to come unto something like Sandy and pair it with the book of Revelation is where we learn that providential disaster that is God's active upholding of all things in the earth by his sovereign pleasure, active providence, disasters, whether they be on a twofold approach, whether they be natural catastrophes, Sandy, others like her, or they be caused by human evil, things that we watch just in the persecuted church. That both in this age are preliminary judgments. They are foreshadows, forerunners in the ultimate judgment of God. That is, Sandy is not actually a superstorm. She is a forerunner in providence to the superstorm. That is, what we've been witnessing, if you've been journeying with us throughout the book of Revelation since we've been in chapter 6, and you look at chapter 6, and this is exactly what we're seeing with things like Sandy, natural disasters, providentially, taking hold of the earth, human evil as a cause to disaster and hurt since Revelation 6. In Revelation 6, you see um, the breaking of the seal judgments. Some of you have not been with us through the book of Revelation, and so you'll be able to catch speed in just about 30 seconds from now, so no fear. The seal judgments in chapter 6 where the Lamb of God is raised. That is chapter 5. Christ is risen and resurrected and he is exalted in the end of chapter 5. Then chapter 6 begins the seal judgments. 
that is, the providential disasters that are coming preliminary upon the earth. The seal judgments, all six of them. We see that they are disastrous, yet they're not exhaustive. Then we go from chapter 6, go through 7, and then you hit chapter 8 in the book of Revelation, and you realize the sounding of the trumpets begin. Seven cycles of trumpet sounding. Judgment. And as we walk through them, you see that they are indeed devastating. They are harmful, hurtful, tumultuous, difficult time that is ravaging many people. Yet there is something that stands out about them even as we explore them. As we kind of unite again what's happening here with the biblical storyline. They are restrained. You recall when you look at the seal judgments of chapter 6, okay, there's three cycles of judgment in the book of Revelation. There are the seal judgments, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are the trumpet judgments that come a couple of chapters later. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then now we are arriving at chapter 16, the bowl judgments. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So there's three cycles of seven series of judgments. When you look at the first cycle, that of the seal judgments, what did you find in their restraining nature? They're devastating yet restrained. How so? They affect a fourth of the earth. Now remember, we said that that's not locating it. That is all of the disaster expressed in the seal judgments into strictly a fourth, as in a geographical spot where only one-fourth of the earth is experiencing all that we're reading in the book of Revelation of the seal judgments really stinks to be them. Rather, what we're recognizing in the language of a fourth of the earth is affected as we realize it's a word of grace, compassion, and mercy, and judgment. It is not exhaustive. It is, by grace, restrained, yet severe. Then we move right into the trumpet judgment. We find out the same kind of language. Only we watch, as we're watching human history continue towards the consummation of all things, we see the trumpet cycle comes along, and we see that it distinctly escalates judgment. Instead of a fourth of the earth, if my math is correct, I believe that's an escalation, there is now a third of the earth affected. Yet as devastating as those judgments are, we find out, Once again, it is restrained. There is still an eternal gospel being proclaimed in light of this judgment. There is a word of grace and a call for repentance that goes out through the missionary institution known as the church, vested with the authority of Christ to go forward in his name and proclaim his gospel while judgment is coming upon the earth. Active, yet by grace, restrained. This is the pathway of human history. When we get to the bulls, which we're approaching now, we were just introduced last week, as you recall, in chapter 15. We were just introduced to that's what we're coming in chapter 16. And do you remember the introductory word about the bull judgments? Chapter 15, I think it's verse 1, maybe 2, maybe 3. I know it's not after verse 3, but I can't quite recall right off the top of my head. Right there at the beginning, introductory word of chapter 15. Do you remember? With these, with these judgments, what you're about to walk through, Christian, through chapter 16, with these, the wrath of God 
is finished. It's complete. It's exhausted. What we experience in things like Sandy now, the superstorm is coming. Where what is preliminary will be no longer. It'll be exhaustive. No one will overcome. We won't have dumpster diving. It'll be over. Not for more electricity to come on. It will be over. With these, not the seals, not the trumpets, the bowls, with these, what we're about to walk through, the wrath of God is finished. The word of grace has ended. Judgment befalls unbelief. I want to take a few minutes with you this morning. I'm not going to itemize chapter 16. I will next week. We'll kind of walk through the bowls that are being poured out in chapter 16. As it is for some of you visiting this morning, Redeemer, uh, that is the way that we handle the text of Scripture. We walk right through the text. We try to sit under it, learn of its authority, grow thereby, repent of the sin that we see, be strengthened in the truths of the gospel one with another, and unite ourselves one with another through our time of worship. So next week, we'll do a little bit more of, of that through right through the nuts and bolts of chapter 16. This week, what I want to do with you is kind of clarify how we are to understand, as I've kind of briefly laid out in the introduction, I want to clarify how are we to understand. If you were to sit at home, maybe this is new to you to read the book of Revelation, or maybe you've read it before, maybe you avoid it. Maybe some of you within Redeemer Body continue to grow in your knowledge and handling of it. So I think that each of us, regardless of the spectrum we're on, with the role of the book of Revelation in our lives, we can be strengthened this morning, no matter where we're at in our interaction with the book of Revelation. By a brief word of clarifying how I am presenting my understanding of the seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments that are befallen the earth. When we look at the book of Revelation, there's a critical component for us. It's not as hard uh, as sometimes we feel standing in its shadow, feeling like it's overwhelming. There's so many characters and so many weird things transpiring. And now I heard this pastor, Pastor Adam, come up here and already begin declaring Sandy is in the book. And now I'm wondering, again, is this all confusing and too hard for me to grasp? And I'm just going to shut down for the next 30 minutes and let him go on, and then we'll see him at lunch. But I am begging you, engage with me. It's not that hard. We make it harder than it really is. It's much more accessible. Because when we approach the book of Revelation, we see there's patterns established within the book that enable us as readers to follow John as he is writing and strengthening us in the meaning of the text. We find a pattern that emerges, as we've shared with you, throughout our journey as we come upon, as I said to you, one year of being within the book, we have found that the church, that is, right at the very beginning of the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, the church of Jesus Christ, you, Redeemer body, have been on a journey throughout this age, since the resurrection, on a parallel pattern journey as we look to Israel of the Old Testament. 
We look, at, we look at the wilderness journey, the dates, the numbers, and we find that the church is on a parallel pattern in a journey with that of Israel from the Old Testament. So already we find out it's not altogether removed. It's not altogether unique. It's not altogether different and broken off from everything else that I can understand in the Bible. We find that it's drawn very close, very near, as we'd understand it's mirroring or it's parallel to the journey of Israel there's also a pattern in judgment. As we think about the pattern of judgment of seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls, we find this pattern emerging that I want to speak with you just for a few moments about this morning. And that is, I want to kind of summarize one through five of the seal and trumpet judgments together. I just want to summarize one through five because one through five belong together. Okay? So one through five, we'll briefly summarize. Then we'll look at number six, and we'll see how is six functioning. That is, the sixth seal and the sixth trumpet. How are they working together? Because they seem a little bit different than one through five. And then we'll speak briefly about the seventh of each and see that these aren't that hard. We actually find they're patterned together, working parallel to one another. So it's not that difficult. So if I could then come back with you to one through five of the seal and trumpet judgments that you can read about in the seal judgments is around chapter six and the trumpet judgments of chapter eight. I'm not going to take time to go through all those texts. Uh, You can do so on your own time. I'm briefly just going to summarize how they have things in common one through five in the seal and trumpet judgments. What is it that we learn about them, what they have in common? So the first of five, one through five of each, I want to share with you, this is how we're understanding judgment and grace in the book of Revelation. I'll come at the very end and make application once again to Sandy to strengthen each of us. But one through five, whether you're reading chapter six or whether you're reading chapter eight, the seals or the trumpets, one through five, are both active and overlapping currently in human history. So that we don't think that as we read the seal judgments, while one takes place for X amount of years, the first seal, then chronologically there is seal number two that is broken. And so then seal number two will take, I don't know, let's say 300 years. And then we'll get the seal number four, and that'll last maybe a thousand years. And then we'll get the seal number, and then we just work our way chronologically through the book to recognize the seals are chronological. And then when the seals are finished, The trumpets will begin. Whether we recognize the parallel pattern shows us that they're sequentially related. They're active and overlapping throughout human history. And again, I can't do all the digging for you. I'm summarizing, and then what we're going to do is walk through chapter 16 next week. So we find that they're overlapping in human history. Seals 1 through 5 and trumpets 1 through 5. Jesus called these, again, remember, they're limited, they're restrained, they're not exhaustive. There's a fourth of the earth affected. There's an escalating throughout time of God's judgment as the end draws near. It's getting worse on the curve, not better. Judgment, evil, natural disaster, and providential disaster caused by human evil is escalating. You're right around in here. It's escalating as we're moving towards the return of the Lord. Jesus called this in Matthew 24. He looked at these events that were to come after his resurrection and he called them 
birth pains. It is right there. They're, they're, they're just before, and they're intense, and they're going to get worse just before labor, just before the return. So here we are in human history after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, seal judgments, Revelation 6. So if you were to read your book of Revelation, you're thinking, how would I just kind of, okay, narrow this down for me to be able to wrap my mind around? I would suggest to you, you read 1 through 3, right? And you see there are the letters to the churches. We walk through them together as a body. Chapters 1 through 3 are the letters to the seven churches. By the time you get to chapter 4, God is in his throne room. And all of creation, humans, elders, animate life, all of creation is exalting him, honoring him, and giving him the glory. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. Chapter 4. Then he sees that there's a dilemma in chapter 5. Who is worthy to open the seal that we now see? We see a scroll and no one can open it. No one is found worthy. Despair at the end of chapter 4, you recall. And then wait a minute. Chapter 5. One emerges. Who is worthy to open the scroll to break its seals? Who is that? The Lamb of God who laid down his life and was raised. The royal lion of the tribe of Judah. John gazes upon the Lord Jesus Christ and he is found worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals. What are we dealing with at the end of Revelation 5? We're dealing with the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. Where myriads and myriads and myriads and myriads are worshiping him, exalting him forever and ever. For by your blood, you've ransomed a people for God. From every language, every tribe, and every nation. One people of God. Gathered throughout the ages through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. He is exalted, and then the Lamb begins at his resurrection. And this is kind of uniting you now to a timeline in history. Think about the first century. Jesus resurrected bodily from the grave in the first century. You recall that. That's a great creed and confession of our Christian faith. It's the gospel that Jesus was raised as a son of God. And as he was raised then, he began chapter 6, the preliminary judgments upon the earth, the birth pangs that are leading us on a curve from Revelation 6 all the way to Revelation 22. Throughout the ages, an escalation of judgment, the Lord Jesus, which began at his resurrection. So now we're watching the seal judgments. Now it's starting to make sense, right? It's not altogether removed and altogether hard to wrap our mind around. We find that in the Lord's resurrection, there was also, with that victory, judgment. So he begins breaking the seals They take place throughout human history, and he calls them, again, the preliminary birth pains leading to delivery. This is where we're at with 1 through 5 in the seals and 1 through 5 in the trumpets. What is their service? What's the point? If If we say from the resurrection, the Lord Jesus began to pronounce judgment and implement judgment in the earth along with grace, because remember, it's restrained, isn't it? Sandy wasn't as bad as she could have been. Tsunamis aren't always taking place like they should. The church, though persecuted, is still proclaiming the eternal gospel and souls are being rescued. Though it be difficult in this age, it is still gracious 
So what's the point? It is that. A word of grace. These judgments that are taking place right now through the earth serve twofold. Number one, to the church of Jesus Christ. To those that we watched in the video. When the man said, I, he, he, he said to me, who can I tell who even cares? God does. According to James chapter 1, that man's difficulty is perfecting him. Trial, tribulation, let it have its perfect work, making the man of God perfect, complete, lacking in absolutely nothing, that he will attain the crown of life. This is the work of judgment in the church that befalls a fallen age, that as we fall victim to it through active providence, it is also perfecting the saints for glory. What is its second element of judgment that we go through suffering and trial? It is to those who are outside the church, that is, those who are in current unbelief, it is a call to them to repent. After the resurrection, the releasing of judgment that is yet gracious serves twofold, to perfect the church, strengthen us, awaiting the Lord's return, and it calls forth those outside belief to repent and be saved. This is the work of judgment, both in the seals and the trumpets. We then move to number six. What's the purpose of the sixth one? Is you're reading your Bible in Revelation 6 and Revelation 8, looking at the seal and trumpet judgments that are working again throughout history in a sequential way, as they're leading us as birth pangs to the ultimate delivery. How does number six really function? Number one through five work? Number one through five work, but what about six? As we look again in summary to the sixth seal that is broken and the sixth trumpet that is sounded, we find within them somewhat a transitional nature. That is, they're filling out one through five as they escalate the judgment of God leading to number seven. So if we were to say, okay, so how are we talking about one through five and one through five, they're working parallel and sequentially throughout history leading us. Number six really takes what's occurring in numbers one through five and escalates the element of judgment. It intensifies it as it guides us to number seven. That's how you're looking at the sixth seal and the sixth trumpet. Now we arrive at number seven. So we have one through five working, number six that is escalating, and we're arriving at number seven. With number seven, you recall, at the seventh seal that is broken, all the islands and the mountains flee. At the seventh seal that is broken, at the beginning of chapter eight, God appears, rumblings, thunders, and earthquakes. At the end, with seal number seven, at the end of seal or trumpet number seven, God appears yet again. And the kingdom of this earth becomes the kingdom of our God. Trumpet number seven. Seal number six and seven. So I'm asking you as a good reader, as I know you're all studiously following along in the chronology of the book of Revelation. Have you noticed then 
with the seals and the trumpets that we have two ends of the world already occurring before we even get to the bowl judgments? Does that pause you as a reader? Thinking, okay, I understand one through five is the beginning birth pangs that lead us to the delivery of the Lord. But I notice in six and seven that the end of the world occurs. So did we have at the seal judgments one end of the world and then somehow another beginning and then we have the trumpet judgments and we have the end of the world again at the end of the trumpets? Well, that means the end of the world has occurred twice already. And now we're having the end of the world come in the bowl judgments next week. So how many ends of the world can we have? This is what I hope to help you with this morning in our last few moments together. Think with me one last time. One through five of the seals are occurring since the resurrection. Right now, Sandy is a part of that in human history. Natural disaster or disaster caused by human evil. Neither are random, but both function as preliminary judgments of the Lord, leading us to a comprehensive judgment in the end. They serve twofold to strengthen the church and to call repentance to those who are in unbelief. Now they're occurring parallel throughout this time. Six ratchets, things way up, and then we arrive at seven. So if you would visually with me, think in terms of fives, then six, and now we've taken seven away from the seals. Okay, so if the seals, let's say, are right here, we are looking at seven of them. We are now reaching and taking the seventh seal and pulling it out, and we're putting it right here. Then we're looking at the trumpet judgments, and they're right here, and there's seven of them. What we're doing as readers is we're recognizing there's no way that the earth ended once in this seven, ended again in this seven, and now is going to end again in this seven. So what we've done now is we've looked at the first seven, and we've taken the seventh one out, and we've put it over here. We're looking at the second set of seven, that is the trumpets, and we're pulling that seven out, and we're sticking it over here. That is, now the trumpets, or seals and the trumpets, they work together throughout human history. But seventh of each occurs together. That is, it's not the seven seals and then a new beginning. The seventh one belongs over here, and the seventh one belongs over here, because they work at the same time. That means we only have one end of the world. So when we get next week to the bold judgments of God, that is, with them the wrath of God is finished, we find that the seven bowls function this way. This is what I'm sharing with you. And again, we'll look at them each next week. But how are they serving us? That is, all seven bowls. He took one and poured it out. He took another one and poured it out. He took another one and poured it out. And I don't remember what number I'm on. But there's seven of them. So let's come back and say he takes each bowl and pours them out. What are those bowls doing to help us understand human history? There are seven different camera angles. There are seven different angles through which we are seeing the one end of the world.
It's not seven different endings. It's not, it's not three different ends of the world. The seventh is coming out. The seventh is coming out. And these seven are explained through the seven bowls. So that in this seventh seal and in this seventh trumpet, inside of them is contained the seven bowls. Do you see what I'm saying to you? So that what we're about to gaze upon in the seven bowls of the wrath of God is the one exhaustive, comprehensive end of the world. And where we live right now is in the seal and ever-escalating trumpet judgments of God in the earth. And they are serving the church of Christ even on a day of recognized persecution and every other day the church is persecuted. Christ, in his love by the Spirit, is perfecting those saints for glory. Pastor Dan and I had a friend that passed away on Thursday. And I was sharing with one that the word of revelation has greatly strengthened me in thinking of this one who just passed away on Thursday. In thinking of these individuals where there are perhaps 300,000 who disappeared in North Korea. How can we be strengthened Revelation 14. Blessed are they who die in the Lord. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit. In this age of difficulty, blessed indeed, says the Spirit. For their deeds follow after them. And they have rest. This age is difficult. It's not filled with lots of rest. There's challenges all about us. Tuesday, we were just discussing this morning, half the world is going to be dead, and the other half exuberant in the streets. Either way, you cut the pie. 48 to 48. Saying, lift your gaze. Lift your gaze in this age you have difficulty oh no who's going to be president how's it going to shake down what about the health care fear not I have overcome the world including the presidents. In an age of difficulty, trial, and tribulation, the Church of Christ is being fit for glory. Those who die in this difficult age, blessed indeed, says the Spirit, for they died in the Lord, and their deeds will follow after Him. Next week, we'll look at the final outpouring, number seven, of each of the other sevens. The one return of the Lord. I conclude with you now my final comment to you. 
That is about Sandy. If you would, if you have your text of Holy Scripture, certainly, as is fitting at Redeemer, we would be in the text of Holy Scripture. If you have it, please turn with me to Luke chapter 13. And I'm not starting a second sermon, so breathe easily. Fear not. Lord has overcome. Okay, Luke 13. I do want to end with you a fitting word to the saints of Christ in the face of difficulty and disaster in the age that is passing away with the Lord's preliminary judgment as we understand all things providence whether they be natural disaster or human evil are not random but are instructions to all from our sovereign God verse 1 of Luke 13 now there were some present at that very time who told him is Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No. I tell you this. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Verse 4. For those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, But unless you, all men everywhere, repent, you will all, all men everywhere, likewise perish. There are no random events. There is none found righteous on his own, no, not one. So as a church of Christ, looking at those on the East Coast, was it because we're more righteous than they? No. But unless you do repent, you all, even more so yet than a preliminary judgment, will perish. How can we understand the grace of God in this difficult age? As we have laid hold of it in His great mercy through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we ought live humble lives. Rather than upholding our neighbor according to the law, recognize neither are we more righteous than they. Unless they too repent, they will perish. And we uphold the mercy of Christ through the gospel. Rather than slamming our doors, locking it tight, and judging them from far, I ask you, are they more unrighteous than you? Let us boast in the mercy we've received from Christ. And let us minister that same mercy to all in need of Christ. So that as we watch difficulty come, 
we use it to speak a word. This is nothing compared to the judgment that will come when God is roused. Repent and be saved. And as we, the church, look upon it, our only boast is you. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father.